This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to focus today on a very strange word that we find in our Gospel. Let me first read to you the English version. At the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them, because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. The word I want to focus on is the Greek word that lies behind this phrase, his heart was moved with pity. The word is this one, esplogniste. The word means literally, his guts were moved. It's a very earthy sort of word, and it sounds earthy, doesn't it? Esplogniste. It doesn't sound very elegant. And it's not elegant. It means, literally, his innards, his guts were moved with pity. I think it's wonderful in both Hebrew and Greek. The words for compassion have this visceral, physical sense. We can make compassion very abstract, very intellectual. But both languages reverence the fact, and we all know this, don't we, that the deepest, the deepest feelings and passions and emotions begin in the body. You know, whether it's love or it's hate or it's fear or it's compassion, somehow you feel that, don't you? In your guts, in your viscera, in your innards. That's what that word means. Now, why is it so powerful for us? Well, we Christians believe that the guts of Jesus, if you will, are the guts of God. When Jesus feels something, Jesus does something, it's God feeling and acting and doing. Jesus' pity on the crowds, well, that's God's own pity. His gut feeling that something has to be done for those who suffer. You know, recently I've been reading the works of Emmanuel Levinas, Levinas was a Lithuanian Jewish philosopher, born in 1905, died in 1995, just a few years ago. Levinas was from a Jewish family, and as a young man, he escaped from Lithuania, came to France, and it was there that he was educated. But his family was wiped out during the Holocaust. When Levinas was a young man, the full brunt of the Nazi oppression fell over Europe, and especially over his homeland. He began to do his own philosophical writings in the years after the war. And what he wrote on almost exclusively was this problem of ethics. Ethics. Moral obligation. Why are we moral people? And the reason I think of Levinas in light of this gospel is that he said, ethics does not begin primarily in the mind. 
if you read Aristotle or Plato or Kant or even Thomas Aquinas, you get a much more intellectual sense of ethics. It begins with certain intellectual convictions. Levinas said no. Those have their place. But ethics begins with a much more gut-level reaction, prior to thought. It happens when the other, that's his favorite term, when the other comes into my field of vision, breaks into my life, crosses my path, and I feel in my gut the need to care for that other, to welcome that other, and to be hospitable. Of course, what did Levinas see in the course of his life? That this happens far too rarely. And in his own lifetime, he saw with the Nazis that it didn't happen in the most dramatic sense, that when the other crossed the path of the Nazis, he was eliminated. Authentic ethics begins for him in this feeling of compassion. Let me make it now just a little more precise. Levinas says that when I confront the other, I have three great options. The one is to assimilate him. That means, well, draw him into my world, make him like me, make him agree with me, think like me, act like I do. In the most basic sense, when I see food, I assimilate it. I just bring it into my own body. I make it part of me. What's the other option? To eliminate. When I confront another that threatens me, frightens me, well, I, I seek to eliminate him, either directly through killing or in all kinds of other indirect ways, by ignoring him, by marginalizing him, by attacking him, by threatening, making fun of him. Assimilation, elimination. And then, says Levinas, there's the great ethical option, the great moral option. And that is to love the other as other. Neither assimilating him, well, just be like me and you'll be fine. Think the way I do. Come into my world. Exist for my pleasure, for my interests. Well, no, no. Nor eliminating him. Just get off the stage. Get out of my way. The moral option is to love the other as other. Levinas saw this, of course, very clearly in the Bible. What is the command we hear from the prophets over and over again? Do not sit complacently enjoying your goods, enjoying your pleasure, while the widow and the orphan remain uncared for. Rather, you have an obligation precisely to those among you in need. Don't assimilate them. Don't eliminate them. Love them as other. I've often quoted Thomas Aquinas, of course, also coming up out of this biblical tradition, who says, love is willing the good of the other, not my good through the other. Not willing your good so it might redound to my benefit, but loving you because you are in need and loving you as other. I think, Christians, what we see in this gospel is very much this Levinas sort of idea. Jesus looks out at the crowds who are in need. What does he feel? He feels a gut 
reaction to do something for them now, to care for them now, not assimilating them, not eliminating them, but loving them for their own sake. That's what we mean when we say that God is love. I know that can sound very abstract. This is what it looks like. It means the guts of God are moved by compassion and pity when he sees the needs of others. This is the game of the saint, by the way, isn't it? A saint is someone who loves as God loves. Now, what follows in our Bible story today from this gut-wrenching feeling? Listen to what Jesus does. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and cure every disease. What follows from the gut is action. This is so basic to the Bible. It's fine if you have a gut reaction. You have compassion for those in need. You feel for them. I feel terrible about it. And then you pass on. Then you move on. Well, that isn't it. Rather, this gut feeling must lead to concrete action. Jesus calls to him his 12. Now, why? So they can learn more about him. Well, that's part of it, that they can have a mystical experience of God. Well, that isn't really it. He calls them to himself so that they might become his instruments in responding compassionately to the need of others. God's pity brings into being the church. What we see here, Christians, is the most elemental picture of the church. Jesus calling his disciples for the sake of service. What is the church? Well, we can look at it in so many different ways. You know, the Pope and the bishops and cardinals and institutions. The church is a collectivity of parishes and and so on and so forth. Well, yeah, it is all that. It is all that in its institutional dimension. But what is the church, basically? It is the instrument of God's compassion. The church is that collectivity of people that God has called to himself so that his gut-level love for the world might be expressed. When we forget that, we forget who we are as a church. When we remember that, we know who we are. Notice the rhythm here, too. And this is so typical of the New Testament. Jesus summons the twelve to himself. We saw this last week, didn't we, with the conversion of Matthew. When Jesus calls Matthew, he calls him into intimacy with him, table fellowship. So here he calls the twelve to himself, and then he sends them. They must first catch from him this compassionate love. That's why he calls them in. I've spoken before about the finding of the center. It's the first path in the spiritual life, to find the center That's what it means. The center is God's compassionate love for the world. The disciples are called into that. And then they're sent out to be missionaries. I always think here of the rhythm of the heart. You know, the heart draws blood into itself. It contracts and draws it in. And then it, with a propulsive force, sends it out. Jesus is the heart of God. He draws into himself his disciples. 
sharing with them his compassion. And then, with a propulsive force, he sends them out. Just as the blood nourishes the whole body, so now the disciples, the apostles, nourish the world with God's compassion. I love the fact that the word apostle, these are the 12 apostles, it just means one who's been sent. One who's been sent at the heart of the life of the church is that we've been sent by God's gut-level compassion. What does Jesus tell them? Do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now what is this? I know it can sound like narrow provincialism, as though I don't care about those outside of Israel. Just go to our people. Well, clearly, given the way the church developed, this is not how people understood Jesus' command. I think that old adage, charity begins at home, comes into play here. It's so easy to say, oh yeah, I I love humanity. I love the human race. I have deep concern for the people in Africa, for the people in the Middle East. I have great concern for the sufferings of the world. Yeah, good. But that can remain so distant and abstract. What about the people in your house, in your family, in your neighborhood, the ones that you see and you have contact with every day? What about them? Let charity begin at home. Let that be the first test of this gut-level compassion that you feel with Christ. Don't make it a gassy abstraction, but make this a very particular focus. Then the last line, which is so powerful, sums up everything in the Christian life. Jesus says, without cost you have received. Without cost you are to give. What did we receive without paying? God's compassion. God had compassion on us first. We didn't deserve it. We didn't merit it. We didn't earn it. Now what you've received as a gift, you give as a gift. As God has loved you, now you love the world. As God has drawn you to himself in intimacy, now you go and draw others into intimacy with the Lord. Christians, it's all about gift. Christ's compassion to us is a gift. Now we, in turn, must become gift for all those around us. In this, we are apostles. In this, we are the church. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360.